opening the show with the song The Lover's Curse. It's from the band Beware the Dangers of a Ghost Scorpion. It comes from their album Blood Drinkers Only, and it appears on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. With their permission, this is the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. And the reason I'm playing a song from an album called Blood Drinkers Only is because we're going to talk about a movie featuring Dracula here in a little bit. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm your writer, producer, host, Derek M. Cook. Welcome to the podcast. Now, I don't know if there are any new listeners out there, but I did just appear on the emergency broadcast over at the KaijuCast. You can find it at KaijuCast.com. It was a live show this past Sunday, the 11th, and the show itself will be broadcast or podcast as a regular episode of the KaijuCast here shortly. So if there are any new listeners from the KaijuCast, welcome to my corner of the internet. I hope you enjoy your stay. (laughs) So I mentioned that we're going to be talking about a movie featuring Dracula. It's called Tales of Dracula. It is a new movie coming out, and I just found out it will have its world premiere later this year. We'll talk about that here shortly. Before we get to all of that, though, I want to tell you about MonsterKidRadio.net. This is where you're going to find everything you need to know about the podcast between episodes. There are links to every single song that's appeared here on the show. Every song appears with the permission of the band. And you can click on the band's link, go buy the album, let them know that Monster Kid Radio sent you, show them a little love, and let them know that we're the ones that pointed you in their direction so that they know... Well, they got something out of letting us use their music on the show. You're going to get to hear that song that I opened the show with, by the way, at the end of the show in its entirety. We also have a link to our Live 365 internet radio station. Speaking of music, now over at the Live 365 radio station, you're going to hear scores, trailers, movie music from the classic monster movies from the 30s through the 60s, with a few outliers like music from Batnay, Ed Wood, or maybe even... A trailer from something like Monster Squad. You're also going to find a link to our Patreon page. Now we're revamping the Patreon reward level, but you can support us on Patreon. We also have a link to our Facebook group where you can get involved with conversations with other Monster Kid Radio listeners between shows. If you're a Facebook user, we also have a Facebook page. We'd appreciate a like if you are on Facebook regularly. You can also find our contact information at our website. Our email address is monsterkidradio at gmail.com. And we have a voicemail line set up at 503-479-5657. That's 503-479-5MKR. You can always call and leave a message about anything that you've heard on this episode or a previous episode of Monster Kid Radio. You can also send in an MP3 to the email address because the voicemail line does have a three-minute limit. All right, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about who we're going to have on the show here shortly. We're talking about a movie called Tales of Dracula, and this looks fantastic. This is a retro movie, a movie done in the classic style from Wolfbane Productions, and I cannot wait. I'm going to introduce the three filmmakers behind the show here in a second. We're going to get an interview, the first part of an interview with them. Right after this. Our planet may be doomed, our Earth devastated, the monsters are in revolt, and civilization is in chaos. Godzilla is laying waste to New York, Rodan is attacking Moscow, Manda is smashing London, and Peking trembles under the wrath of Mafra. Our battle cry must be, destroy all monsters. Who can say which country or city will be next? We must unite and destroy all monsters. Is there a way to defend against Godzilla, Rodan, Manda, and Mothra? The answer is no. 
Let our battle cry be, destroy all monsters. Be prepared. See for yourself in color from American International. Destroy all monsters. 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 This picture is rated G for general audiences. Destroy all monsters. 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 Dave! Doc Hallen's been killed. Doc Hallen? What happened? It's over at his place. You gotta come now. Now, wait a minute, Steve. Tell us what happened. Well, I'm trying to tell you. Now, this thing had killed the doc. Well, what was it? Stop with it, kid. But it's kind of like a... It's kind of like a mass that keeps getting bigger and bigger. It... Every one of you watching this screen, look out. Because soon, very soon, the most horrifying monster menace ever conceived will be oozing into this theater. Teenagers see it first, like a falling star from outer space. Boy, that was close. Hey, come on, I want to see if I can find it. An old man finds it, touches it, and this is the shocking result. From then on, there's no stopping the blob as it spreads from town to town. It's indestructible. It's indescribable. Nothing can stop it. This town is in danger. How can it be stopped? Mob hysteria sweeps one city. Before long, the nation, and then the world could fall before the blood-curdling threat of the Bob. Starring Steve McQueen and a cast of exciting young people. film productions began in 1934 and after producing almost 200 films and television programs the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles 1951 downplace is the podcast that brings you the story of the great hammer films one movie at a time here are your hosts describing what hammer means to them first is casey hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of hammer horror the engaging storytelling and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Um, well, Hammer means how to get a nail into a block of wood. This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Should I have said Hammer Pants? 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. I am Dracula. A moment ago, I stumbled upon a most amazing phenomenon. Something so incredible 
I mistrust my own judgment. Look. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. Rats. 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 But no, this is no dream. This is Dracula, the original terrifying story of a maniac and a man who lived after death, lived on human blood, took the form of a vampire bat and lured innocent girls to a fate truly worse than death. Dracula? Oh, what, what's he done to you, today? Tell me. He came to me. He opened a thing in his arms, and he made me drink. like to welcome to Monster Kid Radio some filmmakers that I've been watching on YouTube for a little while, ever since their trailer hit YouTube for the movie Tales of Dracula. I've been excited. I love seeing movies made in the tradition of the classic monster movies that we all know and love. Tales of Dracula looks like it's going to be following in that tradition, and I've got three of the filmmakers behind that movie on the line right now. I'd like to welcome to the show Joe DeMiro, Mike Rudolph, and Tom Rice. How's it going, guys? Hey. Good, Derek. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and this is going to be a real treat for me. I didn't get a chance to see you guys at the last Monster Bash. I didn't make it out, but I understand that you guys were there, and you showed the trailer. I think it's going to be a good time. I'm looking forward to this movie. Like I said, I'm a big fan of this kind of throwback, homage type of filmmaking. Looks like you guys nailed it. Well, we definitely uh, put a lot of work into it, and... Uh... You know, being a fan of old classic horror films, you know, I, I kind of had that vision when we went out there that we were going to make it just like the original 30, 40 films of the Universal and Hammer. And I really think between our film, I think we got a really good combination of like a, a Universal slash Hammer film. You know, when I watch the trailer and I see the performance of the person you've got playing Dracula, I definitely pick up on a little bit of the Hammer stuff. But, you know, before we get into all that, can we talk about your guys' background, how you came to be filmmakers? Sure. Um, I guess it kind of started back in uh, 09. I uh, kind of got into uh, going to Monster Bash Convention, and uh, I ended up meeting Ron Chamberlain, who uh, was our FX man on uh, makeup. And... Uh, I kind of hounded Ron because I was always a big fan of Frankenstein and I, I wanted uh, some prosthetics made for just Halloween. And uh, me and Ron kind of struck up a friendship and uh, he invited me to uh, be Frankenstein at a couple of the shows. And uh, one day, jokingly, while we were out to dinner, we said, hey, let's make a movie. And I had done some acting uh, classes and whatnot in uh, previous. And so I said, yeah, let's kind of do that. And uh, I said, you know, I have a story that I've been working on. It was a different title at the time. Um, and then I met Tom Rice. Tom has a, a really big background in uh, music and visual effects. And uh, we kind of struck up a friendship, too. And uh, we came together. And then I was working on another film uh, where Ron did the makeup on. And I met Mike. 
Um, there, Mike is a camera guy on that film. And uh, the three of us, along with Ron Chamberlain, kind of got together and said, hey, let's do this. And, uh, you know, it, it's been a long time dream of mine to actually put this film together and, and finding the right team made it really possible. Uh, this is Mike Rudolph. Mm -hmm. Know me as Movie Mike. I, I kind of started off in the background uh, film by just running around the backyard with an ENG camera on an extension cord, filming dumb little movies, but at the time it was like <laughs> groundbreaking stuff for us. And we would take on some of the bits from the show Jackass, and we would do um, little little short films here and there in high school. And I went to a trade school, let's see, my senior, maybe freshman year of uh, high school there. They taught us a lot of the fundamentals of filmmaking, but from there it was kind of in our hands, and we just started following the paths of our favorite directors, and, you know, we'd recreate and borrow some of the shots that they did and just really had fun with it until uh, college. And then they were teaching us uh, the filmmaking, and it, it wasn't really putting me where I wanted to be technically, so I kind of took it in my own hands, and I started making music videos after college, and... You know, we, we would uh, do short films and stuff, and then Joe reached out to me for the, uh, the Tales of Dracula here, and it's been a great ride ever since. And he did mention the uh, previous film that we worked on, and that was a lot of fun, and it was a great learning experience. But this is by far my film school thus far. Like, this is the best moments of my life, and I hope to keep going with it. Wow. My background uh, stems from actually doing weddings as a start-off for the editing uh, aspect, and I eventually got into some of the special effects programs and things like that, and started figuring those out on my own, uh, like hit film pro. Uh, I had it on Sony Vegas and stuff like that, so that's pretty much where my, my background comes from, for film, anyway. Now, it sounds like Joe was a big fan of the classic monster movies. Uh, Mike and Tom, were you guys a fan of the classics as well? I'm actually kind of uh, new to these things, but I love the the Frankensteins that I've seen so far and the you know the the old monster movies. But I was really raised on the '80s films, and uh, it wasn't until this that I really did my research on that stuff. Same here. For all three of you, what are some of your favorites? Just so our listeners kind of know where you're coming from. Well, you know, I, I would say back when I was young, uh, one of the very first films I actually got to see was Evelyn Costello meets Frankenstein. And uh, at that time, I became such a huge fan of Glenn Strange and Glenn Strange's monster. Um, he just was so bigger than life on the screen that, you know, it was just amazing. Um, and then throughout the uh, years, my father was a big sci-fi uh, person. We used to watch Chiller Theater. Uh, growing up and got to watch all the Godzilla movies and the Blob and, um, you know, all the original 31 Frankenstein, Bela Lugosi, Dracula. I had to buy the, the whole set over and over and over again because I keep wearing them out, watching them, watching them. <laughs> I'm sure the studios love that. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> uh, and the new, the new uh, packed out was really, really nice because it's actually got some extra behind-the-scenes footage and you know, I, I ran, you know, when I was a little kid, we used to run down, we got up in Yonkers, New York, and we used to have a little candy shop down in the corner, and it was full of comic books, and, you know, I'd run down there and get uh, Famous Monsters of Filmland, and, I mean, that book was just magical, you know, Forey Ackerman, boy, you know, that was like a kid's dream, you know, to have that magazine in hand and, and actually see how these monsters were made, and uh, some really cool articles and great, you know, photos back in the day, and then you had the Aurora models, and the uh, 
you know, we used to have a little clubhouse. We used to call ourselves Monster Kids back then, which was kind of funny. And I had all the Don Coast masks and uh, the ones that you could actually still wear at the time. And we used to do little plays in the backyard with the, you know, with the mask and stuff on. And uh, so those films were just, you know, really very special to me. And um, to actually have the opportunity to actually put one together, again, it's just been a lifelong time dream. And you actually get to put on the big boots of Frankenstein like Glenn and Karloff and Cheney and Lugosi did. You know, that's, it's just amazing to be able to do that and, you know, to understand what those guys went through back in the day, the, the makeup process for Frankenstein was six hours um, to be in that, you know, and you really don't get an opportunity to eat or anything else. And, uh, you know, so you really understand what those guys went through. Um, and I can't imagine, you know, the previous movie we did was a suit very much like the creature from Black Lagoon. And when I was sealed in that suit, I was in that suit for 12 hours on set, not be able to eat, drink, uh, use the bathroom, so I had to dehydrate myself, and being out in 90-plus degree weather and being in that suit, man, I just know what these actors go through, and, uh, you know, I have a special thing for uh, creature suit actors now, and, and I kind of consider myself a creature suit actor, um, so definitely the original classics have always been a favorite of mine, and... Uh, when I was writing the story, we brought in another gentleman uh, by the name of Dwight Kemper. And Dwight had also helped us uh, beef out the uh, script for the film. And, you know, it was really kind of cool working with Dwight because I could start a sentence from one of the old original movies and he could finish it or vice versa. So I knew Dwight would have a really good pulse on the story for us. And we came up with truly a, a new story. This is not a remake. It, it's truly a new story. And... Uh, you know, I think Lane, our Dracula guy, really pulls off a very good Dracula, and the rest of the cast um, really does a good job. I started off uh, in the 80s. I was born in the 80s, but where my horror time comes from is 80s slasher films and stuff like that. Okay. One of my all-time favorites, and it's a zombie movie, and surprisingly directed by Peter Jackson, is a movie called Dead Alive. It's also called Brain Dead. That's mm -hmm. another title that they had but uh it was probably one of my favorite fun films where they just it, it seems like the crew just really loved what they're doing and they they just set a bunch of people in this house and they just had a bloodbath with it and it's a beautiful thing and some of my other favorites are like evil dead um with bruce campbell you know the the part two the the way they filmed it you saw the lack of technology they had but at the same time you saw that they had a million dollar budget and some of the stuff that they did in it was just mind-blowing, even till today, um, how they would just mount things on the end of the camera, and you'd see the swish pans, and, like, just everything was, it seemed like it was handheld, but it worked, and it was just so beautiful. So to give you an idea of where I'm coming from on these things, um, that's really where it started, and I, I kind of follow the same path as any kid my age, where they break into the Friday the 13th and the... Nightmare on Elm Streets, and I love the pumpkin heads and the child's play and all that stuff. But recently, I started going backwards a little bit and trying to really pay my respects to the classic Universal films. And, you know, anytime somebody recommends something to me, I, I really try to sit down and watch it and just see where they're coming from so I can, you know, just hold my own in the ring with them when it comes to these conversations. My particular interest in the old films were. Probably the original Dracula, and even before that, the uh, Nosferatu, Frankenstein, the Mummy. I mean, David, I watched pretty much all of them as a kid growing up because my mom and dad used to watch them all the time. I really liked how 
they did the originals, they, they definitely had some light, dark contrast going on there. It was one of my favorite parts of it, other than the acting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, modern films, too, I enjoyed definitely some of the modern films. When you three sat down to do Tales of Dracula with the rest of your crew, was there an intention to blend maybe some modern filmmaking styles to or with the classic stuff? We, we definitely wanted the, what, what was it called? The Rembrandt? The Rembrandt, yeah. The noir look. We wouldn't always try to force our modern day film techniques in it, but Joe really wanted to stick to the original looks of it. Yeah, with the, like the close ups, wide shot. Um, you know, cowboy shots to just keep it simple, not a lot of camera moves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I kind of you know, wanted it done very much like the original 30 films. Um, and one of the, the biggest points to this film was that you don't need blood, gut, and gore to really entertain an audience. You, you can still do it on shadows on the wall and let your mind really play on its own what was actually happening in that scene, like the old original Frankensteins, and, and you actually seen it just a shadow on the wall. So when we set out with this movie, I wanted parents to be able to bring their children to this movie and just appreciate the, the classic monsters and that we don't have to have the blood, the gut, uh, the community uh, that's in so many films today. You know, I really wanted that so the movie's called Tales of Dracula. You mentioned monsters, I mean, plural, and we've kind of danced around it a little bit. It's not just Dracula. There's a Frankenstein monster in it, and did I see a werewolf in the trailer as well? There it is. The, uh, we got the big three. We got Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman. Uh, we have uh, some vampire brides as well uh, in the film. Tales of Dracula definitely is a, hopefully a you know, the first in a series of films for us. Oh, wow. We're hoping that the fans will reach back out to us and say, hey, we love this. We, you know, we, we probably have enough story material for probably four to five more films. And, you know, it's kind of sad. This is sort of like a Star Wars kind of thing. We're, we kind of jumped ahead a little bit with our story, but, you know, to kind of introduce our characters and um, just a little bit about their backstory. So this movie really is sort of the introduction to some of the characters in this movie, but we have so much material left for some of the backstories of our actual characters in our film. Again, this is truly a brand new, all original film, and you know, we really went from our own ideas on the film and who our characters were. We sat down and took painstaking hours of writing up who our characters were, where did they come from, uh, and then we kind of said, all right, uh, when we shot this film, what another player factor in this was was our budget. Um, so we sat down and said, what do we have? What is available to us? What can we do to truly make this, you know, visually uh, amazing, um, different locations? Uh, it just all doesn't take place in a castle. Um, there's multiple locations that our, our characters find themselves in. And, uh, you know, and that was budget-wise. So... Uh, it hopes to continue the series. Again, it really would depend on the fans, and uh, they reach back up and say, hey, we really enjoyed what we did, and we would like to see uh, Tales of Dracula Part 2. And that was another reason we chose that title, Tales of Dracula. Again, you know, going back to Kurt Seema, uh, when he did the Tales of Frankenstein, um, was originally was supposed to be a TV 
uh, show. And when I reached out with Tom and Mike, and uh, we had a different title, which was Tales from Dracula's Crypt, uh, which kind of left it as like a one-story kind of thing. So I said, let's go with Tales of Dracula, which will be stories basically told through Dracula's encounters and how he became to know the Wolfman and the Frankenstein. How did these all come into the circle of each other? Um, Universal really never kind of answered that because, you know, they just kind of showed up together and Dracula and the monster were together and the Wolfman was the poor guy still trying to cure himself and stop Dracula, but nobody really explained how the three came into the circle of each other. And we kind of do. We explain that. Um, and that's part of our backstories as well. So uh, we really put a lot of effort into developing the story and our characters, and we're hoping to continue doing the series. You mentioned Dwight Kemper earlier. Now, he's a playwright and a novelist. I've talked about him here on the show before. Uh, the three novels that he's done that I think are relevant to Monster Kids, Who Framed Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi in the House of Doom, and The Vampire's Tomb Mystery. I've got all three, and I've read all three novels. What did he bring to the table? Well, Dwight, again, uh, we had uh, put a story together, and our story was really bigger than what we could afford budget-wise to do. So, again, like we kind of sat down and looked at what we had available location-wise, what we could afford to build uh, set-wise, um, what we had lined up for makeup costs for Ron Chandler to build uh, our werewolf suit. Because our werewolf suit, the upper body, is a full foam rubber uh, upper body suit. Uh, it's uh, basically a combination of human hair and yakky hair, because they're not allowed to buy yak hair anymore, which they used in the original Wolfman. So they had to use yakky hair. <laughs> Okay. So uh, going back to Dwight, um, you know, again, Dwight had come in and we had cast Dwight as Anton Innkeeper, and Dwight brings that uh, kind of comic relief to the film that was in so many of the old Universal films, and we were struggling a little bit with the script. And like I said, you know, Dwight and I could sit there and have conversations about old Universal films, so I knew he had a good pulse on the old Universal films, just as I did. And I sat with him, and he was able to uh, broaden out the story to the locations and whatnot that we had. And he did a really good job writing and helping us get that storyline out there. And again, like I said, he, he does a fabulous job as Anton Meekeeper, and he will definitely be probably one of the more memorable characters in the film. Right, a great comic relief from him. So there is the intention to have a little bit of comic relief thrown in here. Yeah, yeah. You, you kind of have, like, you think of Bride of Frankenstein, uh, when Minnie's there and she's running down the, the hillside when the monster steps up behind her, you know, Dwight is like that character reincarnated in Anton the Innkeeper. Um, we also have Dwight's uh, books available uh, that if anybody is interested in those books can find them on the Tales Dracula page and I'm um, actually linked to uh, actually get them as well. There seems to be a tendency with a lot of filmmakers when they want to make a, a throwback style movie to fill it with nothing but jokes. I don't want to use the word mock, but there is a tendency to kind of spoof or lampoon the genre. Was it difficult to take this more serious approach? It sounds like you're taking a more serious approach to the material. Yeah, we, we definitely wanted, you know, we, we just thought there should be here and there a, a little bit of, uh, kind of like a little bit of a comic moment. Um, but our definitely intention is it, it's definitely a very serious sort of film and, uh, Again, if you watch the original Bride of Frankenstein or any of that, it, it is kind of on the same level uh, as that. It's it's not overly done, um, but it, it's done just enough to kind of give the audience a little bit of a break every now and then. The, the humorous moments occur between Anton and his daughter, so it's not 
Uh, I mean, this dinosaur is not famed in the monster sort of film or the genre or anything like that. It's just their their play that they have back and forth uh, on screen. And I don't know if it was intentional. I think it just kind of came out that way a little bit. The way Dwight's character actor is, he's just a really strong kind of a character actor, and they. He just kind of was a little over the top with it, and I, and I think I don't think we actually said had intentions of that, but when we started watching it and spraying it, we're like, hey, that is kind of you know a nice little break in the film. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned earlier that you wanted to make this movie, you know, something that everybody can see, you know, not really rely on the blood and guts. But it sounds like Mike's background is, you know, heavy in the slashers, that sort of thing. Were you trying to sneak anything in, Mike? You know, you're <laughs> working on the movie to get your your Peter Jackson influence in there. I kind of always want to, but at the end of the day, this is Joe's vision, so I, I really want to respect what he has created here. So I, he, he's been sitting on this script for a long time in his head, and you know, it's it's really an honest approach for me. But I always, you know, sit back and think I'd love for the werewolf to just tear this guy's face off and pin it <laughs> in three or something. But uh, you know, maybe maybe in the future of uh, Wolfbane, we'll kind of tackle some of that my my dream stuff. <laughs> And Tom, you did the music for the film? Yeah, I would be, yes. I'm a huge fan of film scores. I collect music, movie music. What is your background when it comes to music? My background stems from uh, some of the strangest things possible. Uh, I, as a kid, I listened to different artists ranging from like Cindy Lauper to Iron Maiden. Uh, from, <laughs> uh, yeah, seriously, from Dream Theater to Queensryche, uh, you know, you name it, I listened to it, I've played it. Uh, I've been in and out of progressive metal and progressive rock bands for years, but my dream goal has always been to write film scores, so I've been doing that on my own, just doing classical orchestrations and stuff that I throw up on SoundCloud from time to time. Uh, some of it's modern, some of it's not so modern, but yeah, that's, I definitely want to do something film score oriented where you get to sit and actually look at the film and write the piece of music to it as you go. Derek, um, you know, Tom actually did write the uh, score for the trailer as well. Um, okay. I was going to ask about that. So Yeah, he, he did. And, you know, one of the things that I said to Tom with the score was, again, I really didn't want to really go back to, like, the original classic Universal scores. I wanted it a little bit more between a hammer and sort of like what they used in Gary Oldman's uh, Grant Stoker's Dracula. So I wanted to kind of have the score bring us into a little bit more of a modern day type of scoring um, to obviously bring and attract some of the younger generation into it so that the music is, because it's amazing when you put a score to the film on how much it changes that scene, how much that music can draw you into that scene. So that's kind of what we kind of aimed We wanted it to kind of be Sort of in the hammer line, but I told Tom, let's take it up a couple notches. Yeah, like I said, I'm a huge fan of film scores. I, I love my movie music. It's a pretty much all I listen to during the day anymore. So uh, I'm excited to hear that you've got this original score, and it's similar to what we heard in the trailer. It definitely feels kind of hammer-like, maybe a little Midnight Syndicate-ish, you know, which is something that I really enjoy. Was there an intention, was there a particular uh, composer that, Joe, you steered Tom toward when trying to come up with music, or did Tom, did you just bring something to the table and blow Joe away? I pretty much just brought something to the table and I guess blew Joe away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I was very pleased. Like when we, we were getting ready to throw the trailer out, you know, um, to kind of get the word out there a little bit, you know, Tom said, hey, this is the story I came up with. And I said, you know, this is great. This is kind of what, you know, I was thinking. 
And, and, and sometimes it's kind of a we have a little bit of a comic joke going between us because I'm the worst probably typer in the world and, and my grammar is really bad. And you know, kind of Tom, if you remember um, the cartoon Go Go Gophers back in the day, uh, one poor the poor little Indian that kind of jumps all around and cheap running board says him say. Um, so you know, Tom had to work a lot with that, uh, and he, he kind of nailed it. He he understands what him say, <laughs> you know, and uh, he, he kind of. Really put a really cool score together for the trailer, and I think we're going to see a lot more uh, really good uh, score from Tom on the film, and uh, I think it's going to add really so much to the film, and I think everybody's going to enjoy the score as well. Yeah, I, I'm really heading towards, I, I obviously want to keep it all orchestral uh, instrumentation. I may dabble in something that sounds a little more modern uh, instrumentation-wise, but probably, you know, after listening to it and, and seeing it, on screen, it, it may come back out, but uh, yeah, I, I think I've got my work cut out for me. I've already started working on a piece right now that, uh, for the uh, intro of the movie, so it should be interesting, which nobody's heard yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then, Mike, you handled the cinematography on this. What was this shot on? This was shot on DSLR technology with uh, a line of EF Canon lenses. It really looks great. When you put it in black and white, black and white's very forgiving and I'm really glad that we went with that choice. And that's what the trailer was shot in. And the trailer looks sharp, but the shadows look nice and deep and rich. So I think you nailed the look. We sat down originally, and Joe, he, he kind of gave me all the old Hammer films and Universals, and he was like, dude, this is kind of what it has to look like. And me, I, I'm, a, I'm more of a student of cinematography than I am a master of it. So I dipped into it, and I saw what they were doing with it. A lot of it was lit from above, and... They had harsh shadows on the walls and everything, and that's really what I used in my favor. I, I just really tried to capture their essence of it, and even till today, I'm just I'm learning from these films that I'm watching, and these are the essentials of cinematography for me. The uh, the noir look that they run with. Não existe, não existe. 
to thank you for listening to the first part of this interview and I want to offer an apology to the filmmakers and to the listeners the audio quality was not what we normally roll with here on Monster Kid Radio we try our best but every once in a while Skype doesn't play nice now hopefully I filtered out enough of the background stuff and it was still listenable and enjoyable hope you dug it and I'm going to play the rest of the interview with Mike, Joe, and Tom in a couple of days on the next episode of Monster Kid Radio. Between now and then, why don't you head over to Wolfbane Productions' website, or specifically, the Wolfbane Productions' Facebook page. It's Wolfbane, and Bane is spelled B-A-I-N, Productions. You can also look up Tales of Dracula. There will be links to this in the show notes, of course. Also, you heard the audio from the movie trailer from Tales of Dracula, that's on YouTube. There will be a link to that in the show notes as well. I'm excited about this movie. This is going to be cool. This would be a reason to go to this year's Monster Bash. I'm going to be honest. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's not looking good. That's going to happen for me this year. But if you guys and gals are going to be in the area, first of all, Monster Bash is awesome. You know that. I've talked about it enough. Go see the world premiere of Tales of Dracula taking place at Monster Bash. And I'm told that there will be copies of the movie for sale as well. Thanks again for listening to the show. I'm going to talk to everybody here in a couple of days. In the meantime, remember that Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All the original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song The Lover's Curse. That belongs to Beware the Dangers of a Ghost Scorpion. It's on their album Blood Drinkers Only. You can find them at ghostscorpion.bandcamp.com. You can check out their entire album over there. Let them know that we sent you. Talk to everybody here in a couple of days. <laughs> <laughs>